This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. We welcome you to Bite Into It, where we discuss computing, uh, new technology, the internet, uh, all the good stuff. Um, Stuff on your phone in front of you right now or uh, on your radio um, if you're doing that uh, in the future. But it uh, should be a good show tonight. Uh, I'm joined in the studio by Dan Morganti. Dan, uh, how's your week been in technology? Yeah, not too bad. Just been uh, keeping up with all the latest video games, really. Um, oh. uh, I'm too poor to afford Red Dead Redemption 2 at the moment, but um, mm. next paycheck, I think I might pick it up. Yeah, there's been a few people at work playing that. I'm, I only only have Switch at the moment, so yeah. I'm disappointed that it's not out on Switch. Uh, I imagine, or oh, I, I don't know, Rockstar doesn't have a good history with Nintendo, so I'm not mm. sure, but... Um, yeah, I think you might miss out on that, actually. Damn. Uh, I'll be with you also on Warren Davies. Um, I can't put a name to it really tonight, but I often hear the phrase, uh, we're all designers now, and sometimes feel that that can equally apply to coding. Um, one organisation uh, who's doing their best to make it uh, true is Miam. Um, uh, I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, for them, learning some basic skills doesn't mean uh, necessarily being a developer full-time, but uh, they are valuable skills that you can take with you to uh, a lot of different roles, whether you're an artist, a musician, um, or even someone building a, a business online. And we'll talk to Sam from Miam uh, shortly. Uh, in Victoria, we have an election coming up next month, uh, well, in uh, sort of three weeks from tomorrow, really. Um, and we've got one uh, federally in about six months' time. And it's always interesting to see how they are covered online. I think Australia always throws up some really good examples of um, tools or aggregators uh, or sites for uh, keeping the proverbial bastards honest. So we can look forward to that over the coming weeks and months. They usually kind of pop up um, in the weeks before. But uh, we thought we'd take an early look as to um, what's out there already. Um, There's some great stuff from people who um, watch the political cycle um, closely. So we'll have a look at that a little bit later in the show. And, uh, yeah, that election will come around quickly in Victoria. But before we go there, uh, there is a bit of news that's happening, um, and we thought we'd uh, share some of that with you. Um, an interesting one that I just picked up this afternoon is an Australian IT company, uh, Dan, is at the centre of a major hacking case in which United States authorities have accused China of using compromised domain names um, to steal uh, aviation technology. The target of the um, case is a French aviation company that was um, bidding for, um, I think, American contracts. But uh, apparently during the years uh, 2010 to 2015, um, the Australian um, domain register um, was uh, accessed and allowed uh, um, back-end entrance to um, uh, to some of the um, uh, uh, sort of operating um, procedures and manuals and data um, for this um, French company. Um, according to the indictment, Chinese hackers uh, penetrated the computer system uh, of this Australian domain name register, um, which hasn't been named yet, um, as part of a broader plan um, to enable the hackers to access computer systems um, over this five-year period. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think as part of the broader kind of um, uh, sort of... Th- uh, sort of cooling of relations um, between um, China and uh, America. They're cracking down on um, what they see as sort of people impinging on their IP and, and their sort of business interests. Mm. And we've been kind of like connected to that, unfortunately, on this occasion. And it makes you wonder what other stuff they've been into. If, like we've caught this because uh, not everything's being caught or um, po- 
possibly, so you don't know. It's oh, you, get, yeah. you step into conspiracy territory there, but um, this is like a bona fide one that we can see right here. Well, I mean, it, it works both ways as well. You know, we, we might say you know Chinese hacking and kind of sort of um, these connotations that come with that, but you know, uh, America does it as well. Australia yeah. does it. Like you know, every every country that can be doing it is doing it and probably should be doing it if they're not doing it. It's yeah, kind of the way the world works it. these it's days. It's like the uh, Tour de France. They uh, they all say they're not doing it, but they were all on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, um, what else is going on? Um, so Google's come under fire for uh, sexual assault uh, allegations and their handling of those allegations. Um, earlier, uh, earlier in the week, um, the, the creator of Android mobile software, uh, Andy Rubin was um, in 2014. He uh, left the company with uh, reportedly a 90 million dollar um, package, mm-hmm. uh, and has since been released that Google covered up a sexual misconduct claim against him um, before his departure. Uh, and it's looking like that had something to do with his uh, leaving this claim. Um, they're saying uh, Rubin fights back and says that it's actually a smear campaign. Uh, from his ex-wife uh, uh, as they're having a messy divorce. Um, and then later than that, uh, Richard Duvall, um, formerly of Google X, uh, has exited the company. Uh, he officially resigned but did not receive an exit package this time. Um, he, The story goes uh, from a woman, uh, Miss Starr, uh, she was asked to go to Burning Man during an interview and uh, she agreed, and during her time there, uh, Mr Duval allegedly asked her to remove her top so he could give her a massage. Um, as blatant creepiness goes, that's pretty high on the scale. Mm. Um, and she relent- relentingly agreed uh, and then was told that she did not get the job. Um, and it's been several years since this event, and she's uh, struggled with coming, bringing it to the authorities, but, and, but since his star began to rise, uh, she... Um, thought it best to bring it to the appropriate authorities. Yeah, they've had a tough few weeks um, in the in the news cycle. Um, has Google? Um, obviously, these are both kind of um, very serious incidents. Um, also, um, there was revelations of a, uh, a designer um, who um, recently left um, uh, about the closing of um, Google Plus, and he talked about the culture there at Google Plus um, and his experience. There was a bit of a Twitter stacks on um, around that. Yeah, um, for sure. Posted this long thread with about forty or fifty tweets um, yeah. outlining his experience. So, yeah, interesting. I was listening to a, a podcast. Um, one of the guys um, does still work at Google, and he said, um, you know, every every organization has um, uh, good and bad, and, you know, there'll be stuff going on that you don't agree with and stuff that's great. So, you know, it, I guess in the media it's easy to portray these things as very one-dimensional. You know? Yeah. And I think... Well, f- to their credit, um, Google has said that they've... Uh, let go 48 individuals with sexual misconduct claims against them uh, and none of those individuals have been given uh, packages. So Mm. they are doing something at least. Mm, That's Mm. good. Um, 
big uh, big kind of week for uh, Mac fans. Um, if you do um, use a Mac or um, a kind of um, tether to one at work, um, Apple have announced um, some new uh, Mac updates um, earlier in the week. Um, first, they've released a new MacBook Air model, um, one of my favourite models um, of the Macs. Uh, I'm actually, what am I on? I'm just on a regular old MacBook now, but wishing I did still have my Air, which has been stolen. Um, well, it's still in the house, but it's been stolen by somebody. Um, <laughs> So the new ba- new MacBook Air um, gets a, a Retina screen. Um, it's the same kind of 13.3 inch size as before, um, but it's got um, smaller bezels. Um, it's still got that very cool wedge shape, um, which I found kind of like um, smacks down very satisfyingly on the desk um, when you want to use it. Um, yeah, there's one of the problems it has had in the past is um, dust getting in through the keyboard. So they've updated the keyboard um, with some rubber surrounds around each key, um, and hopefully that might solve that. Um, there's no touch bar, which is kind of fine. The smaller MacBooks don't um, tend to have those, um, which is okay. I've never really used one, so um, I don't know what they're like. But in any case, um, as well as the um, MacBook Air, uh, MacBook Minis are back. Um, I've never used one of these as well, but there's a bit of an interesting conversation because the um, expensive, uh, well, kind of top-end uh, iMacs uh, are getting even more expensive with uh, sort of iMac Pro. Um, which is kind of you know over five thousand um, US, which is um, pretty exy. Um, but if you're, I don't know, if you wanted to kind of like set up a, a quick office um, with ten Macs, um, it's worth thinking about the Mac Mini. Um, the I guess the interesting thing about it is, as a desktop, you do have to bring all the stuff with you, so you need a keyboard, mouse, um, monitor, etc. Um, but they um, start. At around 800 um, US, um, which is a little bit more than before, um, but they're—I don't know—they're okay. Um, eight gigabytes of RAM, um, 3.6 gigahertz quad core. Um, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I mean, I'm not sure if I'd want to sort of um, run my setup um, with a Mac Mini, but it just really depends what you're doing. Um, also, the iPad Pro um, got a refresh, and it's got a um, the iPad has got a new pencil as well, um, which I also haven't used. But I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those weird devices that just kind of someone's always got um, in the office, um, and people give it a go. You, I tend to see the weirdest configurations of um, laptops um, at airports. People are always using something weird and light and funky yeah. with pencils or kind of styluses, something that pops down the side or down the back or things are flipping around. It's like th- this, is my, this is my travel companion. I don't use this other than when I'm travelling. I think that's the case. I've got this janky old mouse that I use. It's, uh, I probably wouldn't use anywhere else but while travelling. Exactly. So um, I don't know if you've... Um, maybe we will see um, Apple pencils popping up um, around the place. So um, it's possible. But... Um, yeah, what else is happening, Dan? Um, a book has been released, uh, Star Wars Women of the Galaxy by Amy Ratcliffe. Um, it's a, a look at the women in the Star Wars universe. Uh, as we know, the Star Wars universe has made a conscious effort to increase more women and more diversity in their f- uh, movies and um, the, uh, all their uh, other media. Um, and, yeah, this book uh, has... Uh, photos and stories for from everyone from Leia to Rey uh, even includes uh, an Ewok princess. So it includes all the women uh, from and celebrates all the women from the Star Wars universe. Um, That's cool. Yeah. There was a bit of um, pushback um, in recent films that there weren't enough, um, wasn't enough screen time for the female characters. 
Uh, and even though there were kind of a lot of leading female characters, um, they weren't kind of given the development. Yeah, that, that they, they needed. Yeah, that they needed to make a you know a good movie or a good character. But um, I think it's a step in the right direction for the uh, series. Mm. Um, yeah, especially because they're they're actually including women as main characters, not just in a metal bikini. As mm. uh, yeah, um, I I also um, I have issue with people who take Star Wars a little bit more seriously than they take other okay. aspects of their lives. We're going to get emails here, but yeah. go ahead. I just, um, like, uh, the the passion that some people have for Star Wars and the defence that people, like, rush to, um, I just, it would be interesting to see that more for, I don't know, political change or... Yeah. Um, it just seems like a, a lot of wasted energy. Look, I'm, I love mm. Star Wars. Mm. Um, it's just I don't dedicate my entire life to it. I don't have any Star Wars yeah. tattoos or anything like that so oh, maybe we'll get you on for christmas yeah maybe maybe interesting but um great to see that they've come out with this book um if you like graphic novels um it, it is worth um picking up um uh, it looks pretty awesome um yeah interesting we're now joined in studio by uh our founder of um uh, i guess an organization who's doing uh, everything they can to make um coding accessible and easy for people who aren't um i guess self-declared um geeks um so i, I think that's an admirable um uh, trade um sam Hempful, thanks for joining us in studio tonight thanks very much for having me so why did you decide that it was necessary that people who didn't feel they were geeks be given a chance to code um i think I guess where I came into it, I used to play music a lot. Um, I was a musician in Brisbane. Um, That's how I got into IT. Um, Funnily enough, needed a website. I was running a booking agency, needed a website, that kind of thing. So I taught myself, ended up building websites for friends, and that eventually turned turned into a career. Um, And I think... I was, te- I was doing a lot of teaching work down here in, uh, in Melbourne over the last few years um, that I sort of got into quite by accident. And there was a lot of people coming along to the classes who, who were that sort of, oh, it's too hard, I don't think I can do it, you know. Um, and particularly people who work in digital, sort of marketers and designers and so forth, who are just like, oh, you know, I don't want to do the geeky Cody thing. Also business owners who were sort of, you know, I want to build my own website but it's too hard and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's that was the beginnings of it really. Um, and so my business partner and I decided that, you know, this is a, a worthy thing. And we kicked off um, July last year and it's been our full-time uh, job really since January. And, yeah, that, I mean, I guess that's the, the crux of it. Mm. Do, do you feel for a lot of people it feels like a big jump to say one day I'm kind of like reading a book or watching some TV and then the next day I'm coding my website? I think for a lot of people I do feel it is a big thing and like anything it's just that whole thing like our our intro classes are three hours you know and at the end of that everyone in the the room has built their own website hand coded it there's no sort of drag and drop tools and all that actually hand coded it with proper code that is seo friendly and all that sort of stuff and it's you know the amount of feedback we get of people who are going wow you know i didn't realize that i could do that that quickly and obviously there's steep learning curves and yes it's hard and parts of it are really really difficult you know Mm. but the you know, the initial jump is pretty easy. It's just like a lot of things, that, that first step, um, you know, it's, it's not that hard. So, you know, and that's the thing with the, an intro thing of like a couple of hours, you can get into it and then go, I don't want to do this and don't come back, you know, or go, this is actually something for me and I really I want to go further. Mm. Do you get a lot of people that come in and say, um, I've, I've tried to do this myself and I didn't, I couldn't work, make heads or tails of it and you just provide the bump that they need to Absolutely. get them across the line? Absolutely. So many people that come in who have gone, I've spent so long on YouTube trying to work this out or 
I've read that many books or that many articles and I just can't make heads or tail of it. And that's, you know, I'm the same. And that's one of the reasons I love this stuff is I'm way better at classroom learning myself than watching videos because you do have that feedback. You can ask. And so this doesn't make sense. And 90% of the issues that our students have are simple syntactical things like, you know, you dropped a semicolon or something like that, not, you know, you're not good at this, you know. And so a lot of, I think a lot of people are held back by that where there might be a slight error in their code and it doesn't work and they're going oh you know i'm just not good at this so it's not for me when it's that's actually not the case yeah right what's the skill range of people that you get come in is it always beginners or do you get people who have some idea of what they're doing as well um a lot of beginners, mostly beginners. We've have, um, I did a weekend workshop um, a couple of weeks ago here in Melbourne and there was a data analyst who was very proficient with coding. He just really wanted to get his hands on the front end side of things, of the actual the HTML, the CSS. Um, and so it does range, but mainly beginners. And it's mainly sort of um, hobbyists and business owners, as well as, like I was saying before, creatives who, who just want to be able to put their stuff on the internet. Do you find you're in, you're in competition with like your WordPresses or Squarespaces where it's like fairly easy to kind of like buy a theme and, and get set up? What, why do people want to do something different or kind of do it themselves? For sure. Um, definitely not in competition. Um, I love those tools. Um, I do like, I also build websites. Obviously, I've got to keep current, so I've, I've still build websites rather than, you know, if I just taught all the time, I'd fall behind pretty quick. Um, and I use WordPress a lot. Mm. Um, we're putting together actually WordPress and Shopify courses as well. Um, and I think those tools are fantastic. And it's just that whole thing of you can drag and drop with it be Squarespace or whatever. Um, but to be able to have that um, thing, you know, I want to change this to be just the way I want it, you know what I mean? And that's the bit where you can get into the coding side with, you know, Squarespace and Shopify and all those ones and actually code up your own theme or, at least, or get one that exists and edit it and make it the way you exactly want it. And I think that's really, really important. Hmm. And I guess it was kind of the first course might have been an intro to code or, you know, um, to HTML or what have you. What are some of the other courses that you offer now? Uh, Our biggest one at the moment is a three-day one. And that gets more into it's building a multi-page website that has sort of contact forms that hook into Mailchimp um, and things like that. And it's getting more into certainly more advanced code than we get into in, say, the three-hour workshop, but still all based off the same premise of HTML and CSS. Um, In the two- and the three-day workshops, we also get into JavaScript as well for simple um, interactions like opening and closing a navigation system on mobile and things like that. But every workshop is practical, like... Everyone walks in with a blank text file and walks out with a completed website. And so it's really the length of the, um, the workshops obviously dictates the complexity and the size of the, of the website that we walk out with at the end of the time. Hmm. Um, do you get, um, like how, how kind of curly does it get in the room where you've got people of varying levels of skill yeah. and, you know, even, even like you, you're, you're probably still learning yourself kind of Absolutely. every week. Yeah. Um, what do you do when kind of someone kind of goes past the kind of level of knowledge in the room or how do you kind of standardize because i think with things like you know your general assembly courses or MOOCs or what have you there's a fair bit of standardization people have the same levels of skill of doing it yeah how do you kind of bring everyone together and um it seems to work i mean this is the thing is most people come in at the level and i think one of the things that um even when people do come in who have done you know a few youtube courses or whatever or who have a fairly good idea of how to do a lot of stuff the way we teach is we really get into 
um, you know, the core parts of the languages and looking particularly around things like accessibility and SEO and the code that you need to write to make that stuff work really, really well, mm. which a lot of people who are sort of just saying, you know, smashing out a great website that looks awesome, but as far as its actual, um, you know, behind the scenes, how it actually is read mm. from a screen reader perspective and SEO perspective isn't so great. So we get a lot, quite a bit into that and we don't really find um, that it's, it, you know that we have issues with people who are certainly too far ahead. And, yes, we have absolute beginners in the class who, you know, take a little bit longer and that's fine. You know, we, we don't leave anyone behind. Um, but there's always the way the workshops work is that there's plenty of, I guess, playtime in the sense that if there's something where I'm talking to a student about trying to get them up to speed on a certain point or whatever, um, there's certainly things that the other students, uh, you know, because every single unit that we do or every single thing that we do, you can go so far with it. You could spend three days just talking about changing your background colour and things like yeah. that, you know what I mean? So there's a lot to play with through the course. Mm. Do, you, um, do you see a lot of uh, people who, once they've come in, you see a lot of their stuff out in the wild? And, um, like, do they, can you... Um, recall anyone who's like gotten a job just from your course or anything like that? Yeah, there's a dude who we he was last year. It was one of the first workshops we ran in Brisbane. Um, he's since working um, for a company in Brisbane um, as a front end developer, which is essentially what we teach. So that's an awesome feeling. We've had a lot of people who um, have contacted us saying, you know, thanks heaps, I've managed to do a whole lot of things. But and this is, I mean, one of our things is this whole thing of learning to code isn't just about becoming a coder, you know, and so we have taught a bunch of people who have gone on to become coders as their job have, have changed careers or whatever um, but we do get a lot of feedback from people who you know like I was saying the market is the designers and things like that who have said you know how much it's helped them in their role in their day-to-day role mm. being able to understand code being able to talk to their developers and all that sort of stuff and actually have a hand in how a lot of the stuff works um, and we have there was a someone who did our day-long workshop in April um, just down at the Mechanics Institute actually on Sydney Road and um, she contacted us a couple of months later and she had built she was an account manager for a, a place a, an agency here and on the side she would make earrings and she sent us her website where she'd put together a website and hooked it up to an e-commerce store and stuff and was selling her earrings online. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. And, like, that's the best feeling for us because it's like, yeah, this is, this is great. This is working. Like, this, is, this is why we're doing this, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it is really great. I notice you've got a, uh, a workshop for um, artists in particular, which might be of interest to, to listeners. Um, I, I tend to find that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of bands and, and artists do rely on um, sort of turnkey sort of solutions like Facebook, they'll have a page or, or what have you and they kind of yep. don't feel a, an affinity for this kind of technology. Totally. Um, how do you treat this a little bit differently and, and what do you think their specific challenges are? I completely agree with that. I mean, this is one of the things when I started out playing, well, I've been playing in bands for a while, but when the, I guess the internet became a thing, <laughs> um, you know, MySpace was huge and, you know, I had my, and that was actually some of the first work I was doing was rescanning MySpace pages. Um and that's, you know, one problem is that bands do just have a Facebook page, but one day Facebook won't be there just like MySpace isn't now. Um, and that's part of the challenge. And I think for a lot of bands, something like a Squarespace page or something like that is totally doable. And like I was saying, having that extra knowledge gives them that power to be able to change it and do what they want. And that's the thing, that artist workshop, um, we actually put that together. Q Music up in uh, Queensland asked us to put that together. And so we, we put that together and now we do it reasonably regularly. And it focuses not just on, you know just the code side of thing but it really goes into imagery and also audio because it is you know and in my background in music it's a thing it's easy to build something 
that you're passionate about and that you know a lot about because it's you know it's the other half of my life sort of thing um and so that's been a popular workshop as well for that reason and people and it is that thing that when you're doing something in a workshop and you're showing people how easy it is to actually put in an audio file into your own website and so people can play it you know and then just you know when you hear that oh wow you know from from the class is awesome and that's one of them that the the artist workshop is really great for that Mm. awesome um, so what, what would you what would you like to do more of? Uh, what do you think is the kind of next step for me? Are you kind of happy doing these kind of intro classes, or do you kind of have some other thoughts on where you might take it? Or oh, so many things. the The office wall is full of post it notes of where to from here, and it's like my god, <laughs> it is every different direction you can think of. Mm. Um, we're putting together some video courses at the moment because I mean one of the challenges of a business like the business we run is that you know we tour around we do stuff in canberra and in brisbane and one of the reasons we started this is um you know a lot of the companies that do similar sort of stuff it's either sydney or brisbane or that's it uh, sorry sydney mm-hmm. or melbourne or or that's it um and so we go to brisbane a lot and canberra and also geelong Castlemaine. um and so that's wanting to do more of that getting more out mm-hmm. of of melbourne um, to do more of the regional stuff as well as, you know, up to Canberra and, and Brisbane more as well. Uh, the video courses help us with that when we, we're hoping to get them out sort of at the, later this year uh, because it is that thing of if we're not there at a particular place where someone is and they are available on that particular day, you know what I mean? We have a lot of people saying, oh, I'd love to come except I'm not in town that day or you're yeah. not in Perth or whatever it happens to be. So yeah. that's one of the things is video and also more longer-form workshops, I think, um, some of our longer ones, like the three-day workshop, can come across as fairly inaccessible and it is fairly full-on. You know, it's a full-on mm. three days and likewise the weekend workshop. Um, so we are looking at doing, you know, something like, you know, three hours every Monday night for 10 weeks or something like that yeah. where it's exactly the same content but mm. spread out over a long time so it's a little more accessible. Nice. So if people are interested, where, where should they go check you out? The website. So, yeah, meum.com. So, yeah, M-E-E-U-M.com. That's one of our challenges as well as trying to say that on radio. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, um, yeah, it looks great. I, I think it's a great mission to, um, I, I think some people can find um, getting into this space is kind of, uh, can be a little bit clicky and, you know, if you don't kind of know some of it, how do you get started? So Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the thing is it, it does come across as daunting and it's just it just really isn't. And, um, you know, the first... That first, you know, workshop, like I say in the intro workshop, within, you know, half an hour of me talking, everyone's coded something and, and it's it's there, it's on the page, you know, it's right there in a browser. So, and it, it's, it, it is a very, very low barrier to entry. You don't need to pay. There's no software that costs money. You know, we use text editors, which are all free. Browsers are free, you know, all you need is your computer, which you've already got. So, um, yeah, the barrier to entry of it, to it is, is really, really small. Nice one. Thanks, uh, Sam, for coming in and uh, good luck with it. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Um, we have an election coming up in Victoria. Um, you may have seen uh, the usual uh, brouhaha around campaign um, launches over the weekend um, for major parties and uh, probably a few others as well. Um, yeah, it's coming up on uh, Saturday, 24th of November, and then within six months we've got the federal election. And coming in on the tram on the way here, I was thinking to myself, we might actually start to see a lot of change coming through Um uh, I guess with the kind of um, uh, catastrophe at a, a federal level and uh, leadership level um, over the past few months, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see um, some um, some different thinking around um, uh, party politics um, at these elections. But I think one of the things that uh, Australia does pretty well, um, whether it's on social media and kind of tracking sentiment and what's going on, or even just a comparison of policies and holding people accountable. 
um, I think we do that very well. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of those tools come out um, uh, either in Victoria or federally uh, over the next six months. Um, just, I, I suppose, a little bit of housekeeping to be nerdy about it. Um, if you haven't enrolled, um, if you've just turned 18 or if you've uh, moved to Victoria um, or from anywhere else, um, you do still have time to um, get enrolled. Um, so if you want to do so, uh, head to um, vec.vic.gov.au, um, so Victorian Electoral Commission.vic.gov.au, and you've got information there on um, how to enrol to vote. Um, we've got up until, I think, 8pm on Cup Day. So um, if you're not having a punt, um, maybe you can just be getting your paperwork in order and doing something about that. Maybe even have a punt on the election. Have a punt on the election. <laughs> um, pick a horse, uh, any horse. Um, but yeah, I think one of the um, one of the ones that's interesting. Um, I don't tend to follow the polls too closely. It's usually they, they say that there's one poll that matters, and it's the election. But I know people um, swear by it. And having a bit of a dig around today, I was very impressed by um, the Poll Blogger, which is uh, analysis and discussion of elections and opinion polls in Australia. And um, on the election part, um, uh, the Poll Blogger has been busy doing a lot of stuff. What's your take on this one, Dan? Do you, um, do you think it's a suitable level of nerdery? Like, have uh, they gone deep up into it? This is probably exactly the tool that I'm looking for. Um, it's so inoffensive with its language and just generally educational and it's basically what I've been looking for mm. because I'm what I would call a political idiot. I just don't know anything. My ideas are other people's ideas, basically. Um, and this just, yeah, uh, no frills, just goes over the the data and let you let you know what's up Do, which part of town are you in what what, what um electorate would you be in Do you uh i'm in brunswick so i live in brunswick and is that wills i, I think it's wills or, or, or melbourne no, no i'm i'm outside melbourne so i'm i think i'm wills okay let yeah. me let me wait i'm just clicking along um well actually it could even be brunswick so i wonder if your uh candidate um outgoing member is jane garrett um and there's new um so it's Held by Labor by 2.2% um, over the Greens. Um, last yeah. last election, uh, they called uh, Bell Street the um, hipster-proof fence because That's right. above Bell Street, <laughs> pretty much it was predominantly Labor and below Bell Street where all the hipsters are, it was predominantly Greens. Um, oh. In a really stark contrast, it was quite interesting. Mm. Well, one of the things on the um, on the Paul Bludger, um, if you go check it out, uh, paulbludger.net, um, they've got a great uh, little um, electorate um, tracker. And if you click through to your electorate, you can see um, who's holding them, um, the recent history um, for the electorate, um, and kind of goes down into the, the GOSS, um, which is good. Um, as well as that, they've got um, a poll tracker facility. Um, so that's probably, the, I guess, the, the main IP of this place. Um, there's some amazing um, charts um, going on here, um, tracking um, polls um, over the years. Um, so, yeah, it did kind of, interestingly, um, the recent history from 2015. Um, so the last, well, the last election was 2014. And I think um, Andrew's got in with kind of a 4% um, um, uh, major, uh, 4% preference in the polls. Um, so at the, actually at the last election, um, they won. Uh, actually, no, it's a little bit more complex than that. But <laughs> it kind of, um, over time, it converged um, to sort of midway or towards the end of last year, I guess Matthew, Matthew Guy and the, the Liberals had made up ground in a two-party two party preferred basis with um, uh, Daniel Andrews and the ALP, but it's um, since flared out. And they're kind of in a situation where they're uh, much the same as the last election. So I don't know. Uh, 
I feel like um, I'd like a closer race than that and um, be interesting to see how some of the independents um, and the Greens get up and talk about it. Is there anything else around the poll bludger that um, is um, interesting for I, a political idiot, as you've confessed um, to be? I just like the yeah how it mentions the political parties, the uh, percentage of votes that it has. Um, uh, I like seeing One Nation on the bottom just there at uh, 5.9%, but still, mm. to me, that is shocking. I, I'm always concerned about the the bubble that you that people get in the echo chambers and stuff so it's interesting to see what other people uh are interested in uh yeah one nation down the bottoms i, I i'm a bit of a sigh of relief feels good about that yeah um probably don't have too many voters in brunswick but no you never know um i did a bit of a dig around the last um election and um according to crikey um probably one of the best go-to references and i, I guess from a media point of view um we do still uh, value uh, auntie in the abc so um for election news um it is the most trusted um so uh voters in i guess in polling and kind of having a look at it um um, who had a lot of trust in ABC's TV election coverage was around 39%. Um, uh, 11% had not much trust, 6% had none at all. Um, so they had a combined level of trust of 65%. Um, behind that was SBS with 61%. Um, ABC Radio had 54%. Sort of going down, I don't know, let's look at the bottom end here. Um, I guess a lot of the stuff in the news family um, didn't do too well. Australians scored just 37% trust. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of their politics, but um, they do have some um, some good journalists. I don't necessarily agree with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Fighting against that echo chamber. They are. Um, yeah, unfortunately, radio, um, well, commercial radio um, in particular, was fairly low. But, um, yeah, so ABC is still fairly high in the trust. Um I think one of the good tools as well was, um, again, back to the ABC, was um, Vote Compass. I was having a bit of, bit of a go um, on my phone on the way here. You can actually um, click in your um, uh, postcode and it'll tell you your electorate and then you can um, get asked a bunch of questions, 30 questions about how do you feel about this and you can see how you compare to the rest of the people um, in your electorate and then more broadly speaking. I used this last time I was uh, I was voting um, and I got Labor, so that's... Uh it's not necessarily what I voted for, but that's what I got. Yeah. Uh, which, um, yeah, I found very interesting. I actually, I was working up at Mount Buller at the time and I had to do an absentee vote. I had to drive down the mountain to Mansfield. Yeah. And I had in the car with me uh, a guy who, he was an electrician, ran his own business, and he got uh, liberal. Uh, so it's interesting to see that the business owner would get uh, liberal. I, um, I think the good thing about this is it's very hard to kind of do a good comparison of the policies or it's very hard to do it easily. So um, they've got a good um, tab um, on um, uh, uh, Vote Tracker. Um, summing up, I guess, um, in very simple terms, the economy, technology, health, education, um, et cetera, et cetera. So just having a bit of a look at this. I hadn't seen it um, until I had a bit of a look at this, but um, it's good good summary policy. So hopefully they'll do that again. One of the places where it uh, hasn't been going quite so well, and I guess the thing that um, made us start having a bit of a look at this, is Twitter has announced a um, new tool um, to cover the US midterm elections, um, which are shaping up to be quite interesting. Um, uh, Jack Dorsey actually tweeted um, something um, overnight um, in the States linking to um, what they're calling the... Oh, there's a name for it here somewhere. Um, the the tool um, collects the latest news and top commentary on the country's extraordinary consequential uh, upcoming election. Um, so I, I think 
this is this has been going on a long time these kind of aggregators of trying to pull together all of the stuff and twitter have been trying to get this right for a long time ways to kind of aggregate your feed in new and interesting ways um but uh unfortunately it hasn't been warmly received um TechCrunch have reported it to be um a tool as just another of twitter's small yet increasingly consequential disasters um when it comes to these kinds of um features um on top of the the basic service um I guess there was some um, interest as to why Dorsey himself would go out and talk about it when it's a fairly uh, underdeveloped um, tool. Um, I call, <laughs> there's been some um, suggestion that people who are doing things such as the, the Pittsburgh shooter were motivated by some of these um, tools that aggregate and getting, a, I guess, a distorted view of how the news is being filtered. So... Yeah. Um, when it first came out, there was actually um, a lot of stuff just from candidates. So um, there was a suggestion that it was a bit of an echo chamber, that there wasn't kind of fruitful, um, organic um, kind of um, holistic discussion around issues. Um, it was really just the people with an agenda and something to, to push. So I, I think with like these aggregation um, algorithms, it's difficult to get it right 100% of the time. And yeah. um, it's just interesting yeah, that he comes out when it's kind of half-baked and... Um yeah, when it's not fully formed and put it back in the oven. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, you might get you might get to a point where it's um, useful in some way, but um, it just seems they kind of put it out a little bit too early. But um, yeah, interesting. Hey, if uh, Pokemon Go was for you and you just wish there was a, a new iteration of it, um, we are pleased to announce there is. Um, the wait is over for all Pokemon Go fans. Um, we have a new release for you. Uh, it is called Follow JC Go. Um, it is a release by the Vatican. Um, so if you've ever played Pokemon Go where you uh, run around catching critters and storing them um, and wish you could trade in your Snorlax for St. Mariana de Jesus de Perendez, uh, well, you're in luck. Um, obviously, they've figured out this is where the kids are at um, and this is what they need to do to recruit uh, a new generation of Catholics. And it's got it's got all your favourites, St. Lawrence, St. Patrick, St. Sebastian, St. Margaret. They're all there. You've got to collect them all. You do have to collect them all. Um, as well as uh, finding these and collecting them, you have to answer a few simple questions, um, such as finishing quotes from the Bible, um, I guess because fighting them uh, until they faint or throwing balls at their head uh, might be kind of disrespectful. Um, so they've had to kind of find new ways to, to get that interaction there. Um when you're not kind of keep, uh, collecting them, you can pick up items that allow you to pray and drink, um, which tops up your in-game stats and levels and so forth. Um, there's also a function that allows you to donate to charity, which is, I don't know, probably the only reason you might want to do it. I think that's a pretty cool... Uh, just from a gameplay perspective, that's actually a really cool um, mechanic where donating to charity actually nets you in-game currency. Um, if any other games were to do that, I would uh, probably like to play them. This one uh, is a little bit off my radar, I think. The reviewer saying, uh, I'll be honest, it's really hard to find fault with a game that encourages you to donate to charity to charity, and wish sick people well. Um, and I, I guess that's hard to dispute. Um, so if you're interested, uh, yeah, follow JC Go um, out there um, in your chosen <laughs> app store. Only a few seconds left in the show. Um, thank you very much to our guest tonight, uh, Sam Hemphill of Miam. Um, if you want to um, get your code on, that's a good place to go. Um, and do make sure you're enrolled to vote um, in Victoria, if that is your place, um, by Tuesday night. And um, have your say. Um, talk about privacy like we did a couple of shows ago. Um, ask your local member um, what they're going to be doing to um, build a better digital economy um, for all of us. Uh, we've been bought into it. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday evening with um, a different group of people, but um, talking about the same old stuff. So we'd like your company. 
Uh, up next is Anthony Carew with the International Pop Underground. He looks in good form. He's pacing the green room. Um, so hang around and enjoy. Have a great night. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.